Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Severn Run! I'm not going to lie to you. That's one of my favorite things to get to do every week. Just say good morning to you good-looking folks. You're good-looking, aren't you? You're good looking, aren't you? Would you do me a favor right now? Would you look at the person next to you and say, you look amazing. And if we accomplish nothing else today, we may have just saved a few marriages. Lanny. <laughs> well, folks, here's my new favorite question to ask people. Do you guys have, does anybody have a favorite question they like to ask people? Don't tell me out loud. I don't care. Um, here is my new favorite question to ask people. I love asking people this. And, and I want you to kind of think about the answers because we're going to put some answers down right now, right here in a second. But um, I want you to also, when I ask this question, just please keep in mind where you are. For some of you that might be confused what that means, ask the person next to you. But uh, remind yourself of where you are, and let's keep this church appropriate. But here's my question for you. My question for you is this. What is, what is the most exciting, most exhilarating physical thing or experience that you have ever had? Somebody, go for it. Bungee jumping. Now, why would you have to go and say that first thing when now i got to figure out how to spell bungee? I'm just going to, I'm going to go with what I think here. What else? Having a baby. <laughs> I know where you live. Literally, he's my neighbor. Skydiving. Hole in one. What's that? Airboat boat rides. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Do me a favor, stick around. I want to hear the end of that story after this service. Yeah. <laughs> here's the thing, folks. Now, here's the, here, now, wouldn't you like to know the point of me asking that question? Say yes. Stick around till the end. I'll tell you then. That's my way of getting you to stick around for the next three hours. Okay, at least I'll have one person left that says, I want to know why he asked that question. But yeah, it's my favorite question to be able to, to um, ask people. Over the course of the last few weeks in this series, Extraordinary, The Surprising Life of God's Son on Earth, we have been looking at the story and life of Jesus. We have been following along with him, listening to his teachings, watching the way that he was active while he was on this planet, 
hopefully so that we could take some things away and, and model how to live life according to the way that Jesus lived. Because that's the whole point. That's the whole reason why he came. He came down because he saw that we weren't quite getting this thing right, that we weren't living out as his creation the way that he intended us to do. So he came down here to model it. He came down here to show us, hey, here is the better way. So that's why we've been in the middle of this series. And we've been looking at the book of Mark. And the last time uh, that we were together and Dr. Drew had the opportunity to be able to share from the book of Mark, we were talking about the stories of the seeds, the parable uh, of the mustard seeds, as well as um, the seed that was scattered on various types of ground. And this week we pick up in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35, here's what it says. And as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, so that you have a little bit of context, Jesus has been hot and heavy inside of ministry all day long. Remember, he just got done doing a whole round of teaching. And basically, the way that Jesus patterned his life and his ministry is that oftentimes he would show up. And the very first thing that he would do is he would meet the needs of the crowd. So people that were there that needed to be healed, people that were there that, that needed to be touched, people that were there that needed to be loved, that's what Jesus spent all of his time doing. That gave him the authority then to teach them some stuff. You're not going to be able to teach anybody anything until you've made them feel a certain way. Jesus recognized that. That's one of the things that we here at the Church of Seven Run are coming to recognize in our own transformational process is that we've got to go be the church so that, pe- so that people will then be willing to listen to the story of Jesus. So Jesus has been doing that all day. He's been living this ministry, and there can be no doubt that at this point, um, he's a little bit tired. Because Jesus is both fully God, but he is fully man. And can I tell you one of the biggest mistakes that I think that we make sometimes when we are reading the stories of Jesus is that we forget about how fully man he also was. If we, miss, if we miss the fact that, that Jesus was human, as well as being God, then we have absolutely missed, uh, we have missed the story of why heaven's gift is so amazing, that he was willing to come and that he was willing to be with us. The best that I can tell from this story, as it begins, they, they get in the boat to cross the other side. The best that I can tell from the story is that Jesus was in the boat first, um, because later on we're going to see that he had a, a cushion, And we all know that when everybody's tired, there is a mad rush for the pillows, right? So Jesus makes a mad rush, and you know he wanted the best pillow possible. Jesus gets the best pillow, am I right? Jesus runs, and he he grabs the the best pillow, and he is going to take a nap because, you know, pillows matter, and this is just kind of a sad note. I mean, a a sad note. It's not a sad note. It's a side note. (laughs) But uh, our own pastor's passionate about his pillow. Um, its name is Precious. <laughs> I will no longer be the executive pastor of the church at Seven Rock. <laughs> Ask him about it sometime. Pillows matter. That's what I'm trying to say. And Jesus got a good pillow. Jesus got a, a, a good pillow and he goes down into the back of the boat and he decides to kind of take a little bit of a nap. And as he's taking this nap, it says in verse 37, but soon a fierce storm came up. Now we can just like stop right there. We can camp out there for a long time. In fact, we might as well. (laughs) 
a fierce storm came up. It sounds a whole lot like life, doesn't it? I mean, storms come your direction, don't they? You're up against some things every once in a while that you weren't expecting to be up against. This last week, I had the opportunity. It was kind of a, in, in some ways, it was this surprise opportunity. But I had the opportunity um, with my beautiful wife to be able to go to Iceland. That's where I spent part of the week this last week, in Iceland. The pictures don't even begin to do it justice. It is absolutely one of the most breathtaking landscapes on planet Earth. Breathtaking for two reasons. Number one, the beauty is otherworldly. And number two, the cold will take your breath away. <laughs> there is a reason they call it Iceland. And uh, here was the craziest part about this experience is that the weather literally changes every 15 minutes. Literally. You can be walking out and it is nice and it is sunshiny. And we've got pictures or we've got video where we're just walking along, it's sunshiny. Literally five minutes later, you are in the middle of a blizzard. No exaggeration at all. You're in the middle of a blizzard. I couldn't help multiple times as we're walking along and experiencing this, these crazy weather patterns, thinking to myself, this is a whole lot what life is like. That you're just going along, it's sunshiny, everything's all good. You know, you're able to meet the BGE bill this month. You're rocking along and then boom, out of nowhere, something goes wrong with the car. Out of nowhere, you get that phone call that you hoped you would never get. Life just has this ability to be able to kind of throw some storms at us. The facts are that um, nobody wants them. Nobody wants to deal with them. Nobody wants to deal with the aftermath. But storms, they have a grand purpose in our life. Now, you might say, hey, listen, but I'm a good person. And, and storms come. Yeah, they come to good people. They come to bad people. Storms come to everybody, but they serve a grand purpose in our life. Number one, they expose, what, they expose what's dead in our life and what it is that we need to get rid of. In fact, when we got home from Iceland, here's the irony, when we got home from Iceland, my wife and I were headed out to lunch on Friday, and uh, there was this picture. You see the tree down right here on 175? The tree that has fallen, taken out all of the power lines, and needless to say, quite the traffic jam that had transpired. Um, something tells me that that tree didn't need to be there. Something tells me that that tree was dead. You know what exposed that tree? All the crazy wind that we were having, right? The crazy winds came through and boom, tree is gone. That tree is not going to be a problem to anybody else. And you know what? When storms come through our life, they expose all the dead that is inside of our life. They show us the things that are there that shouldn't be there. They show us the things that we need to get rid of, the things that are no longer um, of service to us. And they point the way toward where, what we are intended to become. We may not like storms. We may not want to deal with their aftermath, but whatever storm it is that you're in the middle of right now, there is a grand purpose behind it. There is a reason why you're having to go through it. So if we're all going to have to go and we're going to have to face the storms, maybe we ought to really think about our approach in facing them. What is our strategy? What's our storm strategy? How are we going to take on all of these? Because whatever storm you're in right now, know this, you'll get out of it and another one will come and then another one 
and another one. So if these are things that we're all gonna face throughout the rest of our lives, maybe we ought to have a strategy. That's why Mark chapter four is here. Mark chapter four is here to serve as a blueprint for a storm strategy in your life. Now, one of the strategies that we oftentimes um, try to take on when we're facing a storm is we like to try to control it. We wanna be able to control a storm. If you've ever been trying to control the storms in your life, then you probably have some, you've probably had somebody that looked at you, it was more than likely your spouse, and said, you know what, you're a control freak. That's what, that's what uh, control freaks do. They try to control storms. These are people that, when they're stressed out, they, they become obsessive micromanagers. These are the folks that they are unfun planners. You know what I'm saying? You ever met one of those unfun planners? Like you're ready just to go like have a good time, you know, and really enjoy the day off and like take it and be chill. And man, they've got every second of the day planned out. These are people that they like to control what's happening all around them. These are folks that they, they're know-it-alls. They, they always know everything. They, they, they always have the answer. Why doesn't the world just ask them? The universe would be a much better place. It would run a, a, a whole lot more. I had the opportunity uh, a couple of, uh, it's been a couple of years ago now, to sit down with an individual who's a friend of mine, but um, certainly is, is struggling in their faith and struggling in their faith toward, toward God. And very, very smart individual, highly degreed, works a very, very important job. And as we were sitting there at the dinner table one night, we started talking about matters of faith. And there's a good possibility that uh, this individual is either atheistic or at least agnostic. And as we begin to have this discussion, I kind of ask a similar question that I've asked people who are struggling with faith in this way uh, many, many, many times before. But the answer that I was about to get was not one that I was necessarily expecting. I asked him, I said, you know, here's the thing. If you don't believe that there's anything out there, if you don't believe that there's any God that's involved in, in any of this, that there's a higher power, then can you, can you just tell me this? How much knowledge of the universe do you, do you think you have? I said, do you think maybe you know that 50% of all of the available knowledge in the universe? Now, just think about that for just a second. That's a whole lot of knowledge, isn't it? Now, I've asked that question to people on multiple different occasions. Hey, you know, how much knowledge of the universe do you think that you have? And I've never, ever had anybody look at me and say, I know 50% of all there is to know in the universe. They did. <laughs> they really did. I said, okay, well, what about 60% of all the available knowledge in the universe? Yeah, I know it. Okay. Well, we're going to get somewhere here. How about 75% of all of the available knowledge in the universe? This, I mean, you recognize that would mean that this person knew everybody's name in here. Do they know how many grass, blades of grass are out there on the lawn? You get where I'm going here? Yes was the answer. I think we got to like 82%. I think 18% was left unknown. To which at that point, my question was lovingly, well then, is there the chance that God exists inside of that 18%? Where you don't know. 
But obviously, I, I, I love this individual, but obviously there is some control factor going on, wouldn't you say? There is some idea of that, hey, listen, I can handle it. I don't, I don't need anybody else or anything else. I've got this completely under control. The problem is these folks are usually very, very anxiety-ridden. And it's not just the anxiety that they bring into their own life. It's the anxiety that they bring into every room they walk into. Have you met them before? Maybe you might be guilty yourself. I know I've been guilty of it myself. To be so anxious to be trying to control the situation so much that when you walk in the room, every single individual there can feel it. Whether everybody was in a good mood or not, they aren't now. Because you walked in. Or they walked in. Totally anxiety ridden. The problem with the with the problem with trying to control it is that you can't control a storm. You might be able to batten down the hatches, you might be able to be prepared and be in the best house possible, but you can't control the storm. It is absolutely impossible to do so. I told you the 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 weather in Iceland changes every just couple of minutes. Here was our first day out. Okay, show us the video if you don't mind. You get the picture? Thank you. Yeah, that was day one. You're like, why didn't you get back on the plane? That, that, that wind right there is blowing 20 to 30 miles an hour with gusts up to 50 on a regular basis. Good luck trying to control that. Good luck trying to tell that what to do. We were out there and you saw that walkway. My wife and I, we, we went out and uh, we decided to you know, brave it. We walked out onto that walkway and here is this beautiful picture right now of my wife and I. <laughs> the craziest part is what happens next. We had been in this spot for about 20 minutes. We had been in that spot for about 20 minutes, and I had been observing, waiting to see how much water was coming up over the side to decide whether or not I wanted to go out on the walkway to have this picture made. Well, after 20 minutes, we hadn't seen any water come up over the side. So we went out there and we braved it. We're standing there for that beautiful shot, and you saw that shot. What happens next was a wall of water that came up over the top and completely soaked us from head to toe. You cannot control a storm. It's called life. There's nothing else that you can do about it. Which leads us to storm strategy number two that most people try and attempt. They don't try to control it, but they do try to face it with anger and resentment. They think that they can outstorm the storm, right? They think that they can like overpower the storm. They can make the storm calm down if they're bigger than it. You can become the type of person where anger is always right below the surface. Anybody ever had know those types of people? Can I get a little amen for some road rage? I was coming out of the Columbia Mall. 
uh, a couple weeks ago, and I will, ha- I will admit I was the one that made the mistake. The other person had the right of way. Let's get that clear. But it wasn't that big of a deal. There were only two of us at the intersection. <laughs> I make the turn as I make the turn. The girl sitting behind the, the, the wheel of the car is as red as she could possibly be, and her mouth... And while her mouth was extreme, I could, in fact, read her lips. I'll let you guess what she was having to say. She was just trying to outstorm the storm. And I couldn't help but as I, as I you know, completely ruined her day, I couldn't help but think to myself, like, my goodness, how can there be that much rage trapped up inside? Locked up inside because somebody got to go first. It's a whole lot of rage. Some of you right now, you're mad at me because I went first and I shouldn't have. (laughs) Not only do people become angry, but they become resentful. They can't grow over whatever it is has happened in their life. They can't move forward because of what's been done to them or what it is that they've experienced. They just won't go any farther. They're stuck. They refuse to allow themselves to get out of it. They've just looked at it. They've looked at life and they've said, life has handed me this big, huge bag of rotten apples. And you know what I'm going to do with it? I'm going to eat one every day. And I'm just going to get sicker and sicker and sicker. This is where, this is where addiction hangs out. And addictions of every type. It's where my addiction hung out. It hung out in anger and it hung out in resentment because, you know, I was born into this house where everything was supposed to go well. It was supposed to look like leave it to the beaver. And for most of my life, it was right up until life storms start coming. Right before, right, right before there starts to be for the first time, um, you know, uh, rejection inside of a romantic relationship. But here's the type of person that I was. Man, whenever, whenever something like that would come at me, you know what you do? You stick to it. You keep moving. You bust through. You go, go, go. You run faster. You do it harder. And so, man, that hurt. I don't care. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go again. Until all of a sudden you're the pastor of a church and you face betrayal from people in your church for the first time. And then you know what? You look at it and you say, I can, I can weather this. I can do it. I can push. I can go. I can make this happen. And you run harder and you run faster and you keep going. And meanwhile, all along the, all along the way, you haven't taken the time to notice that you got two broken legs. But you're just powering through it. You're thinking, I can do this. I don't have to stop. I don't have to rest. I don't have to heal. I can keep on going no matter what. Listen to me, you can't outstorm the storm. You've got to stop. You've got to take the time to be able to heal. How ridiculous would it have been if Amber and I would have gotten mad at the waves? The waves were just doing what the waves do. The storm's just doing what the storm does. But when you find yourself wounded, you can't outstorm it. You've got to stop. You've got to take the time. You gotta let that things go. 
And then there's the other strategy that many people try or a couple of strategies. They either stay in denial or they panic, right? The people in the denial, these are the people that just say, hey, it, it, it's not happening. It didn't happen. I'm imagining in this story uh, of, of Jesus with the disciples in the boat. I'll guarantee you Thomas was sitting over there at the side of the boat in the middle of this storm thinking, it ain't, what storm? I don't see no storm. You see a storm? Guys, I don't know what you're talking about. These are the people that just, they deny it. It doesn't, if, if we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. And therefore, um, who cares? It's interesting to me. I've had people that have asked me, they say, Pastor John, does it bother you when people talk about, does it bother you when people, you know, mention your alcoholism when you're around? I said, no, it bothers me when they don't. Because it's a real thing. And I got no bones about it. Why should you? Why stay in denial? Why, why act like the storm isn't happening when it's happening? Why not just admit that you feel the way that you feel? Now, you don't have to react or, 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 or get angry or get crazy about every feeling that you have. But why not say it's real? This is happening. And deal with it. Don't live in denial. And then there's the other, there's the other portion of this is the panic. People, people panic at the storm. These are the people that, these are the people that say, everybody's going to die. <laughs> You're riding along in the car and all of a sudden the engine starts to make a little bit of a squeak. And here's what you hear. Everybody's going to die. Like, no, I just think we need to change the brakes. I don't know. <laughs> These are the people that they, they, they panic in every situation. What do you want to bet that was Peter in this story? Huh? Peter, was, uh, Peter he, he was the drama king. I'm not going to put that on you ladies. I'm not going to compare you to Peter. Nobody should be compared to Peter, okay? Here's the deal. He was, just the, he was the drama king all the way. Everybody's going to die. Total panic. You know those folks? Tell us their name. No, I'm kidding. In, the, in this story, we see all of these things going on, don't we? But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. And Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on precious, I mean a cushion. <laughs> the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're all going to drown? They were all panicking. They were all completely scared. And when Jesus woke up, the storm didn't wake Jesus up. Notice that? The storm did not wake Jesus up. What woke Jesus up was his panicky disciples. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? We can take a lot of other strategies to the storm. But here's the one that I think we should take. We should take the strategy to the storm that says, you know what? I'm in a storm. 
but Jesus is in the boat. I'm in the storm, but Jesus is in the boat. Can I just ask us to get kind of real and honest with each other for just a second? If you're willing, would you just tell me what your storm is this morning right now? Just somebody say, this is, this is my storm. Finances. You know what? Jesus is in the boat. Too many people in your house. Well, Jesus is in the house. College. Jesus is in the boat. He's in... What? Terrible twos. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, We know Jesus ain't in the child, don't we? Dealing with cancer. Jesus has been there all the way, hadn't he, Lanny? You're an amazing testimony to that. Kids. Again, maybe not. (laughs) Folks, Jesus is there. It doesn't matter what the storm is. It doesn't matter what it is that you're going through. It doesn't matter how rough it is. Jesus is in the boat. You say, why does that matter? Why does it matter that Jesus is the one that's in the boat? Because Jesus loves you. You will not weather any storm in your life until you've come to believe with every single fiber of your being that this amazing God of the universe incarnated himself as his son here on earth because he loves you. I don't care what rejections that you face, what betrayal that you've been through, what tough places that you found yourself in. It does not matter compared to the infinite love of an amazing God. That's why it matters that Jesus is in the boat. Jesus, it it doesn't matter because Jesus is in the boat and Jesus isn't going to let himself drown. It matters because Jesus is in the boat. He's not going to let you drown. Because he loves you. If you don't understand that, then you won't be able to weather any storm. And you definitely won't be able to go to what I believe is the greatest, the highest, the most amazing level of life. The greatest, the highest, the most amazing level of life of storm strategy is when you can be in the storm, when you can be in the middle of the storm and you love it. When it's an exciting place to be. In fact, Check out the list. Bungee jumping. Sounds fun and stupid. <laughs> Having a baby, I'm going to trust you ladies on that, and I do not want to know. Uh, Skydiving, hole in one, airboat ride, marathon, gymnastics. You know, you know what is almost always amazing to me about all the things that people say is the most exhilarating, exciting, funnest craziest thing they've ever done physically in their lives. The thing that they all seem to have in common is that they're all out of control situations. Life doesn't get any fun until we recognize I'm out of control. I got nothing. 
Yay! That's when life gets good. That's when the storm gets fun. That's when you're able to not get mad when the water soaks you. But you're able to turn around and you're able to look at the Atlantic Ocean and just scream at the loudest that you could possibly scream, this is some of the greatest I've ever felt. Right before you get doused with water again. It's in the middle of the storm that you can feel the most alive. Jesus is in the boat. As you can tell, in my house, we're a little crazy. We're storm chasers by nature, my wife and I. We've had to tone that down a little bit since we had kids. Turns out they frown upon taking children out into massive lightning storms. (laughs) Although some of you back there are thinking about it. I heard your answers earlier. We, we, We love a good storm. I love to just experience kind of the, the power, the raw power of God through the nature that he has created. My boys love storms. My little girl, seven years old, the only one that didn't get the genetic code for storm loving. Not a big fan of the storms. So ever since she's been a little girl, when these spring storms will come up, as I'm sure we'll be experiencing real soon, when ever since she was little, 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 whenever she would get scared, what we will do is I'll put her, I'll take her over to the, to the back, uh, to the, to the back, looking out on the backyard. I'll open up the door with the lightning flashing and the water coming down and we'll put down a chair and she'll just sit in my lap and we'll look out and we'll watch the storm and I'll just hug her. And needless to say, as time goes by, the fear goes down. And she just gets a little bit quieter and a little bit quieter. And before long, she's smiling and happy about the storm. And every year we go through this exact same process of training her for a spring storm. Up until last week. When my wife and I were having a conversation about, hey, we should be getting some spring storms pretty soon. And my little girl, she said, Daddy, I hope it comes real soon. I want us to sit in the back and watch it. Folks, that's the response our Heavenly Father's looking for from us. He's not worried about the storm. He's got total control over that. The storm that you're in the middle of right now, that's his chance. That's his chance for his child, the one that he loves, the one that's always so busy running around doing all the stuff of life. Your storm is his chance to give you the opportunity to climb up in his lap, spend a little extra special time with you, expressing his love for you. You may be in the storm, But hear me loud and clear. Jesus is in the boat. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.